0: Good morning. In preparing for this story, I was reminded of Corrie Ten Boom's story so familiar to most of us. Closing her Bible, Corrie Ten Boom proceeded to relate a conversation that took place between she and her father when she was a little girl. Daddy, she said one day, I'm afraid that I will never be strong enough to be a martyr for Jesus Christ. Tell me, her father wisely responded, When you take the train trip from Harlem to Amsterdam, when do I give you money for the ticket? Three weeks before? No, Daddy, you give me the money for the ticket just before we get on the train. That is right, he replied, and so it is with God's strength. Our wise Father in heaven knows when you are going to need things too. Today, you do not need the strength to be a martyr. But as soon as you are called upon for the honor of facing death for Christ, he will supply the strength you need just in time. I took great comfort in my father's advice, Corey told her audience. Later, I had to suffer for Jesus in a Nazi concentration camp. He indeed gave me all the courage and power I needed. This is my story, and this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. When Paulette asked me to share with you today, my first response is I have nothing that would be helpful or valuable to share. It is a simple one-sentence response. If there is a need and you can fill it, then do it. In my over four years of exposure to Otter Creek Church, I have found that you have already mastered this principle and and are an example to churches all over town and the world. You have been an unwavering support to our family, and even now you are providing us with meals, for which we are very grateful. You have taught us so much about what Jesus and the kingdom of heaven he taught about in the Gospels looks like here on earth. We are continually blessed and grateful. As I was walking at Radnor one morning, soon after having decided to politely decline this generous invitation, I felt a rebuke from two sources, first from the Lord and then from Catherine. The Lord reminded me that it wasn't about me and that this was an opportunity to give him honor for his perfect plan for my life and how he equipped me throughout my life for the very task I am here to share. I was reminded of one of the last times Scott and Catherine were asked to speak. This time it was at the annual Daystar fundraiser in December of 2019. Catherine was very sick. Her legs were horribly swollen from the effects of her treatments, and she had difficulty walking because her legs were so heavy. We were at the mall looking for dresses for her, and I was upset. I asked her why had she accepted that invitation. Her answer stopped me cold. Scott and I decided that we would give glory to God at every opportunity that came to us. Needless to say, I am here this morning to honor the Lord and to follow Catherine and Scott's example. Also that morning at Radnor, a verse we all learned in childhood came to mind, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths." Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. As I reflected on this passage, I realized that all we could do and were able to do during the years that Catherine was sick is trust in him one day at a time and that he has given us all that we need for that day and the next day would be a new grace. I also humbly look back at the 81 years I have been on this earth and was able to see how the Lord had equipped and prepared me for this season in my life from infancy, being immersed in a life of service and helping others that was that was learned at home, where it made the biggest impact. Just to give you a broad brush view of what it looked like, I need to give this background. I was raised on the mission field in an environment that was hospital to the gospel, by a mother who had lost her husband after a long battle with a stomach problem related to an attempt to poison him. After realizing that this illness was more than a problem that diet and rest would fix and that my father was not getting better but worse, my parents decided to return to New Jersey with my three sisters to seek medical treatment. My mother was pregnant with me at this time. That was May 1940. The medical professionals were not able to help my father, and he continued to deteriorate. I was born at the end of August, and my father died in December of 1940. In May of 1941, my mother gathered, gathered her four girls, now ages six, four and a half, two and a half, and ten months, and returned to the work and calling that she to be a light and salt in Colombia and encourage the believers that were there as a result of my father's efforts. She trusted the Lord for everything, including safety, health, and finances. Growing up, I watched this life of service to the sick and the dying, preaching the good news to the lost, and I felt privileged to be part of this life. In our daily lives and schedules, no plans were Made because life was full of interruptions, which my mother saw as opportunities to serve her master. From this lifestyle, I learned not to hold dearly to my plans or my daily schedule. Our Heavenly Father was fully faithful in every aspect of our lives, with health, finances, education, and even Christian husbands. My mother trusted the Lord not only for daily provision, but for the future as well. After high school, I joined two of my sisters in Houghton College in Upper New York State, and then I went to Columbia University School of Nursing and received a bachelor's degree in nursing, when an RN diploma was the norm. This was financed fully from the Lord's provision, as my mother always lived trusting the Lord for her needs and never relied on pledges or support from churches. She was determined that my sisters and I would be prepared to live and contribute to society once we were grown. Retirement plans, social security, education funds were all in the celestial banking system and indeed it worked. My mother truly lived by the verses in Matthew six twenty-four to 34. She stayed in Columbia faithfully serving her master until she died at the age of 91. For the sake of time, I will only read the first and the last verses. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I learned to trust the Lord with my own life and future, one day at a time. Great is Thy faithfulness. As a teenager, I prayed for a husband like my father, who who I never knew, but I'd heard many stories. And the Lord gifted me with an amazingly generous husband who has been willing to allow me to go and care for people for days hours and weeks unselfishly this sacrifice and disruption of his life is notable and appreciated i learned that god hears the prayers of the Hannahs, and he answers in his time and in his way infertility was part of my story too and sam and i struggled with prayerfully and tearfully with which resulted in the adoption of our son john who you met at the memorial service, and then gifted us with two of our own daughters, Helen Joy, 13 months after we got John, and Catherine Hope, two and a half years after Helen Joy was born. I also learned that my whole Heavenly Father gives me a gift, gave me a gift of helping those facing death. During my adult life I'd look back and see that he placed me in the lives of people who were diagnosed with cancer and I was privileged to walk with the, with over 10 friends in this journey. I learned so much from each one of these individuals and felt privileged to be allowed to travel this road with them. What I considered to be a unique gift to my friend turned out to be training for my own journey. I learned that God is faithful in answering the prayers of his children. When we were training our own children, we determined to raise them in the world and help them navigate what they faced at school and in life one day at a time. These are the priorities that we made in our home. Same was, Sam was a faithful teacher and father, setting a wonderful example reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation to them during the devotion, our devotional time and talking about what we were reading. They learned a lot about life and living from that. They also watched their father faithfully pray on his knees, knowing that he was praying for them. He challenged them to have their own devotions by incentivizing them with a day wherever they wanted if they completed six months of daily devotions. I volunteered at the school and the children the, the children attended in order to keep an eye on what they were exposed to and help them with navigating what was truth and what was not. We were intentional in welcoming newcomers to our neighborhood by providing a welcome tea to meet the ladies in the neighborhood. And after praying and nurturing relationships in the neighborhood, a Christian friend and I invited our neighbors to a Bible study that was non-denominational and non-confrontational in the sense of barriers created by differences in belief, but to see what the Bible had to say. This continued for the 20 years we were in the area, and people were miraculously brought to the Lord as a result. We made sure we were involved in churches that taught the Word, had a passion for missions, and served the the underserved, and had a strong children's program that valued memorizing Scripture. We got very involved in serving as a family at a camp for abused and neglected children, which gave our children hands-on experience with how the rest of the world lived. Catherine and Scott were involved in this ministry full-time after they were married. We invited newcomers to the church we attended for dinner, especially if they were from different cultures. We were intentional in getting to know missionaries who were home on furlough by furnishing a place for them to visit or rest when they were in the area. We even entertain homeless people. That's another story. This was a foundation that we used to train our children to be strong, productive citizens. And God is faithful, and they are following the Lord and have a, a wonderful Christian spouses. Catherine was always a unique child. She gave her life to the Lord at, as a, at a child evangelism event with her sister's prompting and told us about it later. She was very young, but she took this step very seriously. When we moved to California from Puerto Rico, our neighbors next door were a Jewish family with a daughter Catherine's age. Julie and Catherine were inseparable during the early school years, and Catherine began praying for Julie to accept the Lord as soon as she realized that she did not believe in Jesus. Julie came to visit us in the Broadway's recently and relates that Catherine never stopped presenting the good news to her. We are still waiting for an answer to this prayer. Her testimony was always clear to her friends and to us. As a young child, through her, through her leaving for college, Sam and I would find notes on our pillow at night after a challenging confrontation, asking for forgiveness and showing love and respect to, for us as her parents. She used scripture to guide her daily thoughts and posted them all over her mirror in the bathroom. When at the camp for abused children, Catherine picked out one of the young people, or Kamisha picked her out, and she devoted herself to Kamisha to show her who Jesus is. She convinced us to give her home after she left the foster system at age 18 and is still very much part of our family. Besides Camisha, we collected at least two more daughters through Catherine's loving on them and offering them safety and welcome while she lived with us. I don't need to tell you that she was a magnet. People were drawn to her loving and open personality. In fact, Scott told us that is what attracted him to Catherine. Their romance in California cooled for a few months after, as Scott found that he had to wait in line for Catherine's attention and felt that maybe he needed to redirect his efforts and move back to Tennessee. Thankfully, this woke Catherine up and she put Scott on the front of the line when he returned and didn't take long for an engagement and marriage after that. It was a very painful to walk with Catherine and Scott in the infertility journey. I remember having lunch with her after a particularly difficult appointment and encouraging her to start journaling this experience so she could document how God was going to work in her life. I was grateful I had experienced what she was going through, but on the other hand, my heart broke for her and for Scott as they celebrated the birth of their nieces and nephews and their friends' babies while they were unable to have their own children. You all know the answer to that story and are witnessing it. When they were in California, Scott and Catherine lived close to us and we were involved in their lives until they moved back to Tennessee over seven years ago. We even shared a home for a year when they decided to sell their condo and prepare to move to Tennessee. That year was another preparation for our future relationship. When we learned that Catherine had been diagnosed with inoperable, untreatable terminal cancer We were in San Francisco attending the wedding of the granddaughter of friends. Scott called us early in the morning right after the surgeon gave them a very different report than they had anticipated, and their lives changed completely from that day on. Needless to say, we were reeling with emotion and felt very disoriented. From what the doctor told Scott and my experience as a nurse working primarily with cancer patients, I expected that she had at the most six months to live. We couldn't leave California immediately as we had agreed to be witnesses to the adoption of a friend's son and had a big celebration planned for this at the end of the month. We also needed this time to plan what to do if indeed time was short. Scott's parents were coming to Nashville at that time which gave us some time to prepare to leave for an indefinite amount of time. By the end of July in 2017, we arrived in Nashville. I assumed I was going to be Catherine's chemo buddy, but it soon became clear that Scott had covered that covered and my job was to be home with the dog and the girls when they came home from school. Scott never gave up on his post as chemo buddy and made sure that each day they spent in the chemo center was fun. Needless to say, all the plans and distractions Scott had prepared for the day were unnecessary as Scott and Catherine became the life of the party in the chemo room, making friends and encouraging the rest of the patients. Watching Catherine go through the inhuman effects of chemo was excruciating. Just as she was beginning to feel normal again, it was time for another round. She hated those chemo trips. It was for Scott and the girls that she was willing to endure it, and Scott's presence made such a difference to her. Her M.O. during that first 12 rounds of chemo was to keep as busy and active as she could. She discovered that distraction was the best coping mechanism. Focusing on others and diving into the moment. She went to all the girls' games, class celebrations, chapel services, and activities and her voice was one of the most enthusiastic in the ballpark. It was not easy for me to enter into her enthusiasm sometimes because I had been with her in the darkest moments just before she stepped out of the door to go to these events. Scott was always good at entering into her need and to be present with her and cheering cheering the world on as if they didn't have a care in the world. When we arrived in Nashville we moved into the house and eventually made the bonus room our new digs I assumed the role of mom to Catherine and supported her in whatever was the need of the day when she was in chemo I did most of the house chores and having left my world with and having a blank slate this was an answer for me we learned by error and trial that when Catherine was feeling stronger, I needed to pull back way back and give Catherine her home and her family to manage again as so much else was stripped from her. My caregiver mode had to take a back seat. Sam and I often felt the need to interject with some of the inedible issues that come up with the girls, which added a layer for them instead of two parents. Now there were four in the house. Our parenting styles were not always in sync as well. Kay was a mama bear. Don't mess with her babies. We learned to pull back and respect and trust the work that Scott and Catherine were doing in raising their family and support them in this daunting project. Probably the hardest part of now is not being able to help Scott more in this area and give him support in his discipline and training without interfering. No one will ever replace their mama, and our grandparent roles are the roles that we have been given, and it is sufficient. As you can imagine, this is a very challenging time, and figuring out the new family unit and line of command is tricky. In March of 2017, after six rounds of chemo, Catherine underwent surgery that was hopefully going to debulk the tumor growth. The surgeon told us that if he encountered solid mass, he would not be able to proceed, but he was optimistic. We were told the surgery was to take over nine hours, and he told Catherine that she should be grateful if she woke up with a long incision. If it was just a small one, it meant that the laparoscopy that they would initially perform revealed hard mass. Some of you were very involved in praying for the surgery and we were overwhelmed by the cloud of witnesses that accompanied us in the waiting room and prayed with us that day. The surgeon decided to go for the large incision at the start of the surgery. And when they opened her up, they realized that the cancer had invaded so many organs that doing anything would cause her more harm and and decided to leave it alone. When she came to from anesthesia, she noticed that it was still morning, but she had the long incision So she asked the nurse with her what had happened and she was told that the surgery was stopped. This was a very sad moment for all of us. Once again, it was Scott that held us all together and gave us courage. For me, it was a bitter disappointment and yet I realized that we had prayed for this surgery and its outcome and this was God's answer. Once again, we realized that time was a precious gift and every day, needed to be celebrated. Healing from the surgery took time, but a week after Catherine came home from the hospital, Scott was offered an opportunity by one of his co-workers to use a family condo in Panama City. It seemed a stretch to expect Catherine to make this trip, having had surgery so recently, but it was the right decision, and a week at the ocean in the sunshine in March was very therapeutic for us all. I learned that God hears our prayers. He goes before us, prepares a way, and answers our prayers, even though they are not the answers we expected. I want to share this post from CaringBridge because it shows her heart and the peace that she had received during this time. For He Himself is Our Peace, Journal Entry by Catherine Broadway, August 25th, 2017. Hello, dear friends. On August 15th, I had a CT scan and learned that the clinical trial was not a success for me. In fact, my cancer is spreading in my lungs and liver, and now there is a spot on the intestine. The clusters of tumors along my abdominal lining and stomach are also increasing in size. This is very hard to type and harder to process. We are disappointed and discouraged, but you know what's amazing? I do have peace, great sadness, but also peace. Let's remember his goodness. First, I have more friends than ever before in my life. I have met and become closer to so many beautiful and amazing people since my diagnosis and have renewed many old friendships. We have benefited from being part of a vibrant body of Christ experienced both in our church and from people outside our church God's design to use people for his glory is pretty neat my family has been lavished with such incredible love and generosity there is no doubt that we are loved my parents have lived with us for over a year and were so grateful I do not know how we did it before I highly recommend having your parents move in with you Sam and Lois Bechtel are givers, they are doers, and they are the epitome of love and action. And they are very patient. I do not know how we did this before, and I highly recommend having your parents move in with you. My girls are doing well. They are thriving in school and have a wonderful support system. We have a wonderful summer with many little trips here and there and lots of pool time. We enjoyed many sweet visits with friends and family We had such a fun week with Scott's parents and family in the Outer Banks. Scott and I are closer than we have ever been. I married the most kind and gentle and thoughtful man. He is carrying a lot on his shoulders and is doing it with grace and humor. Jesus is near. He reminds me daily of his great love, his provision, his protection, his strength, his courage, his grace, his wisdom, his compassion, his presence, He is with us. He is for us. He is working on us and making us like him. I am still here. Praise the Lord. I'm alive and mostly pain-free. I can enjoy my beautiful children and family and friends. I go to soccer and softball games, parent-teacher nights, sonics, the pool, and church. I can still do hair and arrange doctor's appointments and be a mom. I can still be annoyed with teenage attitude and set messy rooms and stinky cleats. I can watch my babies sleep and listen to their singing and laugh with them over my crazy dance moves. I plan to enjoy every minute. A word on my healing. I believe God can touch me and heal me. A lot of people are praying and have prayed over me. I have complete faith that God can and does have the power to heal. Will he heal me? Of course. When will he heal me? I also trust him about that. It might be on this side of heaven and it might be a healing in heaven. In the meantime, he is my peace. Ephesians two fourteen. So we will keep on fighting. I will start chemo again next week. It will be in pill form so I will not be on a pump or in an infusion room. Sadly, this means there will be no more chemo dates with selfies with Scott. I will take the free pills twice a day for 10 days a month. Please pray for shrinkage of the tumors and for a good response. Thank you for walking with us, encouraging us, and praying for us. You help us move forward. So much love to you. The Lord will fulfill his purposes for me. Psalm 138.8 Copy from a letter to my sisters in June of 2017. Her appetite is not as good as it used to be, She's, but she seems to enjoy what she does eat. She says she sleeps. The girls go in their bed often, so this affects her sleep. She is open to only open to family coming. She wants to spend the time she, she is well focusing on the girls and Scott. I function, zombie would be a good description. I depend greatly on normal and sometimes irritate Catherine by being concerned about mundane routine stuff that has no bearing on where she is in her life. Each one of us faces the reality of our lives in different ways and at different times, and we are careful not to mess with that. If we have given ourselves permission to act like life is normal, we don't want to disrupt it. During this journey, Catherine received wonderful attention from the most unexpected sources. A night at at a castle with Scott, a family trip to Disney World, gifts of time in family vacation homes in Florida, family vacation in Outer Banks, a month-long vacation in California, and a family vacation in Florida with cousins. We drove to Pennsylvania, toured Hershey, Pen- Pen- Hershey and the Amish country and Philadelphia and Washington, D.C. with time in Virginia with her sister Helen and family. Visitors came from Australia, Columbia, South America, Germany, California, Pennsylvania, Maryland, New York, Illinois, Indiana, Montana, and Arizona. Anticipating each event or visitor brought a great deal of stress, knowing she was not up to it and would have to muster the energy and enthusiasm to be present. Again, Catherine did this for others and for Scott and the girls. My job was to assure her all she needed to do was be herself and be in the moment. I would do what was need- needed to make it work. Again, Scott had the biggest role with the trips and took the yeoman's job of getting everything ready and packed up and and driving to many places far away. For the next year after the failed surgery, Catherine had more chemo and a clinical trial. When she started an oral chemo, that gave her almost a, a normal lifestyle and much more independence for several months. It was at this time, in May of 2018, that Sam and I decided to return to California and reclaim our home, which we had rented out, and reconnect with friends, entertain our families during summer months, and enjoy the change of pace. The, dro- the Broadways drove out during this summer and spent a month during the same, doing the same as they also have many friends in California. Early in September of 2018, Catherine started radiation when she returned from California. The tumors were growing and the metastasis was evident. At this point, it became clear that it was best to sell the house in California and plan to be in Tennessee permanently. Giving up the California lifestyle was death to self. We lived two blocks from the ocean and the house was a great vacation home that easily accommodated our family who were more than happy to come for their vacations and 40 years of friendships and connections made it even more painful. This was the one place that I truly loved. Catherine gave many hints for us to move to Tennessee while they were living here and kept mentioning that all of the kids in sports and school programs had their grandparents' presence except hers. We were not convinced until Catherine was diagnosed, and then it was not even an issue that we should come. <clears throat> Isaiah 26, 2 to 4 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord is an everlasting rock. This was my what I clung to while we were in transition between California and Tennessee. Selling our home did not take long. In January of 2019, we closed on a home in Brentwood. Once again, cutting the cord at the Myrtlewood house in Nashville was challenging for both families and we managed by splitting our weeks and days between houses even spending time together at the big house for holidays. Now we had an Airbnb to house Catherine's visitors, which was helpful for Catherine, to have the extra space. At this point we were dealing with an increase in narcotics for pain and what that brought with it, more tired and less energy and interest in the day-to-day needs of the house and family. I learned some more dance steps working with Catherine on planning menus and helping the girls get more involved with household chores. Keeping the girls informed when they saw Catherine deteriorate was important. I kept them informed of what was happening when and whether the new developments were from chemo or from cancer. They had seen her back, bounce back over the past three years and it was not always clear what was causing her symptoms. They visited Catherine at the hospital when she was home. They realized that she might be sleeping when they got home from school. Being sick more than well began to be the new normal. Cancer is an all-consuming experience. It invades every area of life and family. Each member of the family has a different reaction and handles it in their own way. The 2019 major holidays were very low key although the family went to north carolina for christmas in january of 2020 my words in my monthly report were we are not the same as we were at the beginning of this journey and hopefully those around us can see that also words matter attitudes and actions have consequences priorities change relationships are clarified The world around us takes on new meaning. What we choose to shape us shapes us. My life continues to bring me fulfillment. There is nowhere I would prefer to be right now. Once again, the girls are in school and Catherine is resting and I can get my Radnor fix. That really meets so many needs at so many levels. Catherine and I have a rhythm going and it works for both of us. When she feels like it, she goes, and when she is not up to it, we go. I have lots of energy and get a good night's rest and truly enjoy the Broadway girls and their different personalities and gifts. Abby is taking on more of a mentor role for her sisters, and that is wonderful. Becca is spe- Becca especially needs her attention and input and often seeks it the wrong way. But we see some small evidence of change. Josie and Tess are very independent and self-starters, especially Tess, and it's wonderful to see them growing up and becoming beautiful people. They take our new normal in stride, sensitive to what Catherine is going through, giving her the space she needs when she needs it. They're part of this cancer support network as well as receiving one-on-one counseling. COVID quarantine for the end of school year in the spring of 2020 was a blessing for Catherine as it afforded her quality time with the girls. We spent more time together on weekends and valued the time we had together. In April of 2020, I wrote that I have noticed that the harder the after effects are, the more effective the chemo is in doing the destructive work on the cancer cells and that helps me as I watch Catherine suffer through it. In May of 2020, in my letter, a letter to my sisters, I said, Catherine continues to endure the chemo every other Friday. It takes indescribable strength for her to go through this routine, feeling exhausted, pain all through her body from the effects of the chemo, nausea, etc., etc. She powers through one day at a time, grabbing each new opportunity for distraction and riding the wave to to its highs and lows. Scott and the girls' lives have settled into this cycle and they do a wonderful job of keeping life as normal as possible. We rented a house in Destin in June of 2020 despite COVID and had a great week with cousins even though it took a tremendous toll on Catherine once again on very harsh chemo. After we returned, Catherine was hospitalized, and it was clear that she no longer was benefiting from the treatment plan. Hospice care was recommended. This was once again a difficult moment, and bringing the girls together to let them know was a very special and hard time. Scott and Catherine brought them into these moments and wanted them to know the facts before they heard it from someone else. Each one reacted differently and there was good discussion about what the next steps would look like. Since we had three major events in August, a wedding at Katherine and Scott's house, a staycation at San, sound waves, and a family visit, hospice was put on hold until late August. When the hospital bed arrived, it was an indicator to Catherine that the reality of death was no longer for another day. I came home from Radnor one morning and the hospice nurse had convinced her that going upstairs was not safe or wise given her physical limitations. She was cheerful when I came in the room and she told me about it. Her words struck me, Mom, I'm going to miss you so much. No, Catherine, I thought. You will not miss us. You will be with Jesus. But oh, how are we going to live without you? Catherine died on September 15th at 5 a.m. during the playing of a random play Pandora playlist, the Hallelujah Chorus, in full orchestra and choir. Scott, Sam, and I just smiled knowing that she was home. Not long after... I looked at her face, and a faint smile had developed since the first time I saw her immediately after she had died. It was so sweet to see that she had indeed arrived in the presence of her Savior. In October that year, I wrote, The last two weeks have been about figuring out how to do life again, and once again without our spark plug. Some days it works with a large dose of denial, other days it includes raw grief, and other days a sense of emptiness and loss of direction. Everyone in the family is grieving someone whose influence and meaning is different, so we often are not even able to console each other. So this is how we roll here in Tennessee. Not much time to gaze into our grief, which catches us unaware more often than we care to admit. The Lord was and is glorified through this journey, and we once again learn that He is faithful. He prepares us for the journey of life and gives us a ticket when we need it, not before. He will not leave us or forsake us, but will continue to work in our lives and purify us. We learn to live one day at a time and not to worry about tomorrow. We learn to value relationships and people over things and events. I learned that the Lord is my strength and my refuge and my comforter. When John the Baptist was wrongfully imprisoned and sent his disciples to ask Jesus if he was really the Messiah, I love the message that Jesus sent back to him. Tell John what you are witnessing, and he quoted Isaiah 61, 1-3. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, and to bestow on them the crown of beauty, instead of ashes, the oil of joy, instead of mourning, a garment of praise. Instead of spirit of despair, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Thank you for listening to our journey and for sharing in it as we walked through it.